ministry that, that feeds the hungry. I mean, she's got a huge heart of compassion and a huge heart after God. And she's sitting across on, on, uh, the, on the other side of the, the, the room. And she said to me, she said, with tears running down her face, she said, Dan, she said, I, I've known Jesus now for about 20 years. And she said, I want, I, I want to hear his voice. And she said, but I've never heard, he never speaks to me. He never talks to me. And I, it, it, you know, I, I stopped for a minute and I said, why, why are you here? I mean, what brought you, why did you come to talk to me about it? And she said, well, I just, I felt something inside kind of pushing me to do that. And I said, okay, could that have been the voice of God? Now, I was surprised because how long she'd been around and how strong her relationship with Jesus was that she, she was expecting, she hears speakers talk all the time about hearing God's voice. She was, she was honestly expecting to hear an audible voice. And she, you know, and I thought about it for a while, and I thought, well, you know, sometimes the way we say things, yeah, I could see how somebody would really think that's what we were doing, and how spiritual it is that, you know, Dan can hear an audible voice from God, when Dan has never heard an audible voice from God. And, uh, but... And that started me thinking, and then if, if for a while, there was a period where I was one after the other, just as hunger to hear God's voice, just as hunger to, you know, they, it just felt like God wasn't speaking to them, that there was just nothing there, and they so longed for it. And I began to realize that it, that it is such an important part of our walk with Jesus and how easy it is to miss it. And I've come more and more to believe that it is such a crucial thing to learn how to hear God's voice. Now, again, when I say that, I'm not talking about an audible voice. I, I don't doubt that that happens, uh, but it's never happened to me as, in, in that way. And But I don't doubt that it happens, but I don't think that's the normal experience for most Christians that really, I mean, deeply, deeply love Jesus and want to follow him. And, and, and I, I've kind of asked that question of a lot of people since then. And I've found that it's become just kind of, uh, in many cases, just kind of the, at least the spirit filled group. It's just been the kind of thing to say. You know, I, I hear God's voice. And when you ask them what that means, they, they really, they really don't know. And I just wanted to take some time with it tonight because I, I think it is such an important thing. I think God speaks to all of us. And He speaks probably a lot more than we realize. And one of the things a while back, I, I, well, I still do this quite often. I work with a lot of, um, Koreans and they are, they are spiritually such intense people. And I'll, one of the things I've watched over and over again is, is they, they, when they pray, things happen. If you've ever, you know, been around Koreans, it just, there's something about their prayer that works. So I'll always say things like, if you want, if you want to get an answer to prayer, go get a Korean to pray for you. And that, that, that's a, a real strength with them. But I noticed in a lot of the places I was going and speaking and teaching and that after the meeting was over or at the end of the meeting, they would line up and, and I mean, they would line up a hundred of them, two hundred of them in line to be prayed for. And, uh, and, and, you know, that gets a little bit exhausting after a while. And, and they would. I, you know, they would just get in lines. They wanted to be prayed for. They wanted a, a word from the Lord. And after a while, I began to realize why, 
Why, are, why is this such an intense thing to them? I mean, they know how to pray. Why is it that they, they are, you know, first you think it's real hunger, and it is, there is a degree of hunger there. But, you, but I begin to realize that they didn't really believe, and I don't want to make it general everyone, but a large percentage of them didn't really believe that God spoke to them. They believed that God spoke to the pastor, and they would do what the pastor told them. But if they didn't hear it from the pastor or someone in authority, they didn't really believe that God would speak to them. And so when they would get in line to be prayed for, and, and so many times it was wanting, you know, a prophetic kind of thing, and, and I realized that actually I was kind of encouraging something that needed to change. And realizing with the gift of prayer that they have, what would happen if they heard God speaking to them? And they could pray the prayers that he gave them to pray. And, but see again, that was, that was hard for them because they were so schooled and it is, it is so much hierarchy that God speaks to the pastor, God speaks to the leaders, uh, and, and may speak to the father. I mean, but it's, there's, it, it's very much that way. And so I remember the first time I said, I'm not going to pray for anybody tonight. And I, the shock that I could see on their faces, Dan must have walked away from God. Why isn't he going to do that? And and I then I talked to them for a little while about why. That I said, you, you know, you can hear God. You guys are amazing in your prayers. What would happen if you would knew that you could hear what God was putting in your heart to pray? rather than waiting for the pastor or for some key person to to tell you what to pray and for them it was almost like it was almost like revel, uh you know revelation they they just did not that was hard for them to get a hold of but i realized in some of those kind of experiences that a lot of people a lot of believers long to hear god's voice and probably hear it far more than they can imagine, but don't really know what it is. And don't, you know, don't really, are not in tune and in touch. And I've more and more come to realize how crucial it is in the world that we live in today to have that kind of touch. Now, uh, I, maybe, it, let, let me take a minute with, throw a question out to you and get your involvement in this. How do you hear God's voice? Anybody want to jump in? and How do you hear God's voice? When you open your Bible, absolutely. Okay, good. A thought? Okay, what, what's different about that thought than your own thought? Do you notice a difference? You can pick up on it. It's a, a thought that you know didn't just come from you. Good. Okay. Yes. Picture. Okay. So you have these pictures and okay. 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 So you have heard it audibly. Peace. A sense of peace. Word of God. Through other people. Okay. How does that happen? Confirming something that was anything else? Dreams, okay, God speaking through dreams, yeah, absolutely. Through songs. So when you, since you're the one that said it, I'm a, how do you know it's God? You said maybe it's God speaking to you. I remember when I, uh, this is it's a little different, but it's still the same kind of. Uh, I grew up in a very uh, charismatic setting, and one of the things that I learned a healthy respect for things like prophetic ministry and those kind of things, but I also learned that there was a lot of weird stuff that went with it. And I would see all this, this weird stuff, and yet I knew the real, I, you know, I knew the genuine, 
and I knew how powerful it was and how life-changing it was, but I had seen an awful lot of, well, it just, the people that were prophetic did weird things. They really did. And so I would see that, and, and I, even though I believed in the real, I decided at some point that I, I, I didn't want any part of that because I saw the damage that it would do and someone would say they have this prophetic word speak into someone's life and it wasn't real, wasn't right, and the damage that could do. And uh, I just decided that I, that I knew it was real, I knew there was the real, I believed in it, but I didn't want any part of it. And as a young pastor, I did everything in my power to keep the Holy Spirit. I knew that if the Holy Spirit didn't do the work, it wasn't going to happen. So I wanted to cultivate the moving of the Holy Spirit, but I really wanted him to stay in my little box. You know, I didn't want him to do weird things like I had seen a lot of. And so I would, you know, I would stay away from anything that what, what even termed prophetic. And I remember I would, uh, there was a certain point, uh, in the middle of, you know, my first pastorate really, where I began to, uh, when I would pray for someone, things would come into my mind. And often they were really strange, uh, weird. Often they had nothing to do with uh, the, what was going on or what the person had asked me to pray. So I wasn't about to speak that out because it, it didn't fit and it, it seemed, it seemed off the wall to me. And so I, I just, I wouldn't do it. But, but it just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And I, you know, I guess you would think that I would have known enough to say, well, maybe this is the Holy Spirit. But what I thought was maybe this is my mind is really messed up. And so I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. And so I wouldn't ever speak it out. I'd be praying for someone. The Holy Spirit would stir something. At that time, I would have said, these thoughts come into my mind. They don't relate. So, you know, and sometimes they seem totally off the wall. So I'm not going to do anything with it. I just, I'm not going to, because I know, I know, I know the, the weird, and I'm not going to do that. So I wouldn't do it. And that went on for, a, a, well, it really went on for a very long time, maybe, maybe as much as a couple of years. And I would just keep pushing it aside and actually begin to believe that my mind was a little, there was something not quite right and I probably needed to see a counselor. And finally it just kept on and kept on. And I went to a friend of mine who some of you would know the name Jean Darnell. And Jean, uh, his, she's really like a spiritual, was like a spiritual mother to me and pretty close. And, and so, and I trusted her. I mean, she, when it, you know, when she spoke, I, I listened. And so I thought, well, I trust Jean. I'm going to sit down with her and tell her what's going on in my head. And, and I, I just know that she's going to tell me that I need to see a counselor. That something was just not quite right there. And so, uh, I went to Jean. We talked it over. I told her what I was experiencing. And she said, Dan, she said, I think that's, I, you're hearing God and that that's, or the Holy Spirit in you. You're hearing the Holy Spirit. And it, it, some of it's even prophetic. And I, it was kind of like the last thing on the planet I wanted to hear. I would have rather have heard at that point, Dan, you know, you need to get serious about mental health. You need to get serious about seeing a, a psychologist, uh, you know, but she said, I think that's prophetic. I think that's something that God's stirring. And so out of my love and respect for her, it was kind of like, Thank you, Gene, but no thank, I didn't say no thank you, I was just thank you, thank you for taking time and all of this, but inside I was saying there's no way on the planet is that gonna happen. I mean, I just don't know. I, I think I would rather go see a counselor than, than to think, to get near that. 
So I kept, I just kept it up for the next, probably another close to a year. And I would, it continued and I would pray for people and these things would begin to come to mind. And much of the time were not even related to what they'd asked me to pray for. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. But then after a while, I begin, the Holy Spirit is kind of, you know, how the Holy Spirit often will do things. It's time to turn the fire up a little bit. This guy's not getting it yet, so let's turn the fire up a little bit. And, and, and I begin to, you know, there's just this moving inside. I thought, you know, if what Gene said to me was true, and if this is the Holy Spirit, and I'm not speaking that out, I'm not sharing it with people, uh, that, that can, you know, I could be robbing them of things that, that, that God wants them to hear. Now, I knew enough to know that God is not dependent on me. If, if, if I don't obey, He's not gonna say, well, that poor person will never hear my heart for them. I, the, you know, so I, I'm not stuck on, if I disobey, then somebody's gonna be destroyed because I didn't, you know, so, but I thought, you know, if this is the Holy Spirit, first of all, I'm being disobedient. Because he keeps prompting me and I'm not following it. If it's not the Holy Spirit, then, or if it is the Holy Spirit first, I'm disobedient and I'm also robbing them of what God wants to do in, now in this situation. So I couldn't get away from it. So I decided, okay, well, I, I'm going to step out and, and try and see what happens. But I've been around enough stuff and I've seen enough prophetic stuff that really pushed people away. And so uh, I wanted to, and I didn't want to look stupid. That has to be there too. And so I decided that what I would do is when somebody would ask me to pray for something and this stuff would begin to stir inside of me, I would say to them, almost in a joking way, I would say, you know, this really weird thing just went through my head. It probably has nothing to do with anything. And, and, but, uh, you, you know, and then say it. And, uh, over and over again, I would find that they were saying things like, Oh, how did, how did you know that? Where did, yeah, that happened in my family or how did you know that I struggled with that or that was going on and I began to realize, wait a minute, there's something more to this than my messed up mind. And so I just kept stepping out carefully and and the other key to that for me was stepping out carefully and stepping out with, with humility, realizing that I could be wrong and that if I was then I, I wanted to be able to, you know, not force or push something. I wanted just to be able to say, well, see, I told you it probably was just crazy. Uh, but over and over and over and over again, it, they would say things like, yes, that happened. Or, and, or sometimes they would say, I, I don't know. And then at another point, they'd come back and they'd say, I, I, I've thought about this and prayed about it and, and even checked with my parents or whoever. And yes, something like that did happen. And I began to realize that, the, that this was the Holy Spirit stirring something inside me. And I didn't want it. It wasn't something I ever wanted. But I realized that this was a God thing and that in reality, you know, I don't really belong to myself. I belong to Jesus. And so, and if, you know, if, if God wanted to speak these things through me, I needed to find a way to do it that would, that they would be able to receive. That's, in my mind, that's a key thing is in when it comes to this kind of thing. Now, I know I've come a little way away from hearing God's voice to prophecy, but in my mind, a key thing is the gift is for them, not for me. I'm just the one that gets the privilege of delivering it. So I want them to receive it. It's all about them receiving. So how do I approach it so that they can receive it? How do I package it? 
so that they can receive it. You know, there's a world of difference between, especially you, you women that are here that know how to do these beautiful little gift packages. And, you know, there's something about them that you want to open them just because they're so beautiful. And a lot of us guys are more into throat in a paper sack and here it is. It can be the same gift, but how you package it will make a difference on whether people receive it or not. And so in my mind, again, it's the key is they receive it because it's not my gift. It's, it's for them. And so how preparing it, doing it right was extremely important to me. And so I wanted, first of all, to hear right. And I wanted to, and acknowledging and knowing that I'm human and that mistakes can be made. And New Testament prophecy is not like Old Testament prophecy. You're not speaking for God. And in fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says we prophesy in part. That, that leaves room for, you know, it not being, you know, a, a totally completed thing. And so I, I always wanted to leave room for that, that I could be wrong. And, and, and that was okay. Because if I was afraid to be wrong and I was doing it in the right manner, then uh, I would probably never do it. And so I started with, I want to hear the voice of God clearly. I want to know what God's speaking. And I want it to either speaking to me, speaking to someone I'm praying for, speaking to, to someone that, you know, that's out there somewhere. But I want to know that I'm hearing God clearly. And for me, it was a trial and error test. Just, you know, taking the step of faith with the right spirit, with humility. And, and in doing so, I found out that people opened up, people received, and, and that it became, you know, again, there were not times that it was, it was a mistake. Uh, you know, that's true. But more and more and more, it was, it was something the Holy Spirit was doing. But it begins with learning to hear his voice. And you may, there may not be a prophetic thing stirring in you. Uh, that, that's not the point. But the point really with all of us begins with learning to hear the heart of God. Learning to hear his voice. And, and I, you know, I want to emphasize hearing God's heart. That, hearing his heart. And that requires that I, I learn to listen. And I'm willing to take the steps of faith and realizing that I may be right sometimes and I may be wrong sometimes. That's okay. But some of us are so afraid to be wrong that we, we won't even begin to go there. And I wonder if we're not robbing ourselves of things that God wants to do through us and if we're not robbing others of what God wants to speak to them. Now, again... They're not at your mercy. He'll find other ways to speak to them. But I want to be, I want to be doing exactly what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. I want to be in the, you know, what an awesome privilege to be able to hear God and to be able then to share what you hear with people around you. What an awesome privilege that is. And I think that it's something that God is, is kind of, there's a stirring in the body of Christ. To, for, to hear the voice of the Lord. It, it's, it, it's stirring. I, everywhere I go, I hear people hungry, wanting God, to hear God speak to them. And what I often say is, he probably is speaking to you far more than you realize. Far more than you realize. But you, you need to, to learn to hear his voice. You need to be able to put aside what's yours, Anything that the enemy would, any of that stuff, but be able to recognize his voice. And that, that, that really is practice. That really takes time. And if, if you're not willing to take the risks and, and, and you're, you know, you're doing it in humility, then you'll, you'll not ever move to the degree that God wants you to or that you could or you're not here because you're, you're so afraid that, well, maybe this is just me. 
Maybe it's not just you. Maybe it's something the Holy Spirit's doing. Does that make sense? And thinking back to what we, what I talked about this morning, if we want to touch a community, if we want to touch the lives of people, learning how to hear God is a strategic part of it. It, 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 we, we reach out and love them. We care about them. But how much more powerful when it's anointed by the Holy Spirit? When it's we're reaching out and touching people with the anointing of the Spirit because we've heard the heart of God. We've heard the voice of God. And I'm convinced that God wants to speak to us. His Holy Spirit lives in you. And one of the key areas the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to your heart, speaking to you, and, and not only in your own situations, but in, in the situations of people you come in contact with. Yes. No. As long as they're easy. If they're hard, then where's Bob? <laughs> I think God wants to, you know, I don't think Christians have a corner on hearing God's voice. I think God wants to speak to people. And we, we have, of course, a relationship, and that opens the door wider. But I think that God wants to speak to people. Um, oh, gosh, there's stories. Let me think of one I can pull, uh, talk. Um, uh, in uh, again, I don't want to take a lot of time telling the story, but uh, one of the ones that I, I keenly remember is when I was working back at right after Katrina, the hurricane that hit the city of New Orleans, and I was there, I was actually in Houston at the Astrodome, which is where all of the, or a lot, not all, but a lot of the evacuees went after uh, New Orleans. And so I was one of 10 pastors for 25,000 people and people that were in crisis. And so uh, our job basically was just to be there, to love them, to share with them. They gave us freedom to share the gospel as long as we weren't forcing it. We could do everything we wanted except they didn't want us to have church services. And so we were able to, we, you know, come pray with people if they wanted to be prayed for. Absolutely no problem at all. And so uh, you would just walk all day, 12, 13 hours a day, just walking, talking with people, listening probably more than anything else and praying with them if you, if they wanted you to. Well, there was this one particular elderly woman. She probably was 85 years old. And she, she had never been out of the city of New Orleans in her life. Now, I discovered, you know, New Orleans is not that big a city. And, and I discovered there were a lot of people in that, that had never left the city. They, their whole life had been spent there. Now, for me, who's used to, you know, the whole world, that seems like, how could that happen? But there were a lot of me run across that had never left the city in their life. She had been through, her home was lost, her family. She had no idea where they were. Uh, her, her children, her grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And you can imagine the panic on especially, uh, you know, 84, 85, 86-year-old grandmother who lost everything and didn't know, you know, where anyone was. And she was, she was in a lot of panic. And they had a thing that to get a place to live, you had to fill out all this paperwork. And believe me, it was extensive and very detailed. And which always I kind of thought, you know, how do you, how do people in the middle of crisis know all that stuff? And, but that, that's what they wanted. And so, uh, this particular day, this woman, uh, had come over to me with FEMA paperwork, the government paperwork. And she kind of, it was, it was, I don't know, 15, 20 pages of application. And she walked over to it and I could, I could actually, I could see her coming with that paper in her hand. 
And everything inside of me said, oh, Jesus, I don't, I don't want to help. I don't want to do paperwork. I want to pray with her. I want to do all but not paperwork. But you kind of, you know, in crisis, you do what people need you to do. And so she came to me with this FEMA paperwork, and she came with exactly what I thought. She wanted me to help her fill it all out. And uh, I realized later that one of the reasons that was she wanted someone to help her with it is not only was it extensive, but she didn't read hardly at all. And so that was just so overwhelming to her. And so she brought it to me, and she and I said to her, I said, uh, I'll be glad to help you, but can we pray first? And and she said, her background, Roman Catholic, and so she understood prayer. And she said, oh, yes, pray yeah. And we were when we were praying, I had this very strong, uh, one of the strongest times I've ever felt the Holy Spirit saying, "Tell her to go do this." And I, what I, what the Holy Spirit said was, "Tell her not to bother with paperwork, but to go over to the housing line immediately." Well, that was against all the rules. And, and, you know, that was just, I, at first I had to, to stop and say to myself, Dan, is this really God or is it you just not wanting to do the paperwork? <laughs> and, uh, I, when I came to the conclusion that it was, it was the Holy Spirit, I, I said to her, I said, you know, uh, why don't you, instead of doing this, let's, let's just get you over to the housing line and see if we can speed the process up. She wouldn't hear it because she knew what the rules were. And these lines were massive, and she didn't want to go stand in some massive line just to be turned away. So she said, I, I can't do that. And and so I tried several ways, and she wasn't. she just wasn't doing it. And finally, I said to her, I know this is going to sound strange to you, but I really believe that when we were praying, Jesus told me to tell you. And if you could have seen her face, it was like her eyes got huge and she's staring at me. And she all she could say from that point on was, Jesus told you. And shake her head like, and I said yes, and then I would explain to her, but each time she would say it, she would move further away from me. <laughs> so she was saying it even louder, and so now I mean, there's other people that are hearing this, and they're looking at me like, what kind of kook are you? And, and I couldn't explain it to everybody. I would just, you know, I would just say, yes, Jesus told me. And of course, then they were convinced that I was cuckoo. And so, and she just kept doing it. And she must have done it five or six times and further away and louder. So uh, lots of people are watching now. And she begins to move, not realizing that she is actually moving into where the housing line will soon form. And I don't think she didn't know where it was. I'm sure she had no intention. And she, uh, I think she just wanted to get away from me, so she just kept backing away. Well, she got into this housing line and at, at the very front of the line. And a few minutes later, there's an announcement that comes that said, we have just discovered in Houston, we have just discovered a, a small group of small flats for singles or couples, not for families. And if you're interested, come to the housing line immediately, even if you haven't done the FEMA paperwork. And guess who was first one to get the, it, she was, and she was the first one in line. She got, there was only 10 little flats. And she was the first one to get that little flat. And when she came back to me, found me again, wandering in the crowd, tears running down her face. I remember her words to me were, I guess you did, I guess Jesus did tell you. And I thought, I wish I had a microphone now so that you could say it loud enough where all these people that heard you say, Jesus told you. But anyway, a couple of days later, when they were actually moving her out 
from the uh, Astrodome to the apartment, uh, she came back to me crying again, and she said, the man that, that Jesus talks to, that's what she called me. That actually became kind of a, I would hear other people saying, there's the man Jesus talks to. Well, that's not really a bad reputation, is it? <laughs> but anyway, when she came back to me, she thanked me and tears down her face. And, and I said, you know, this, this really is nothing I did. This was because God, because God loves you so much. He wanted you to have a place. He wanted this for you. And she said, and she really didn't have any kind of relationship with Jesus at all. And, and I said to her, finally, I said, after we talked a while, I said, you, you know, you can know Jesus just like I do. It's, it's not something, there's nothing special about me. It's, this was all done because he loves you. And so we prayed and she committed her life to Jesus. And I could tell several stories like that where it, you know, God wants to talk to people. He's not checking you out to know whether you're a believer or not. I think there are a lot of people out there that hear God that have no relationship with him at all, and they have no clue what's happening, but he still loves them, still wants to get through to them. And what a difference when you begin to hear the voice of God and you begin to speak that into people's lives. I, I don't even, you know, I, I, I don't even check that necessarily anymore. If I feel the Holy Spirit saying something, I don't stop and say, you know, I wonder if they're believers. Uh, and again, I could tell other stories like that. And in almost every case where that kind of thing has happened, I know that's a little dramatic, but in almost every case, that person, their life turned around because they came face to face with the work of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I, I know some of the things that, that I've experienced are kind of dramatic, and I think they're dramatic because it takes dramatic to get through to some people, me. And, but I, I believe God wants to speak to all of us. I think that, that uh, the, the church in Bassett Street is a prophetic church. I really do. Now, in saying that, let me explain what I mean. A prophetic church isn't where everybody sits around prophesying all the time. A prophetic church is where people hear the heart of God and obey or speak it out. So hearing the heart of God, the prophetic side is a community out there that needs to be loved, that needs to see Jesus through you. That's, that's the prophetic church. That's the heart of God. And so I think there's a prophetic anointing on the church in Bassett Street for that very thing, that prophetic. And again, it's not the big prophetic thing that we often read about, but it, but it's every bit, if not more prophetic than a lot of what we hear. It's just hearing God and moving in obedience and touching the people that he loves and cares about with just knowing that we exist really for them, to love them in Jesus' name. And that love does not necessarily mean that we preach the gospel to them. You know, what's that old thing? I don't remember who it was. It was Augustine, I think, that said, preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. It's just, it, it's just the way, it's our life. It's who we are. It's how we love. It's how we care. And so I really do believe there's a prophetic anointing on the church. I really do. And again, that's not meaning that we should all have five prophecies every Sunday morning. That's not it at all. It's, it really is, it's, it's, it's living out what God has put in us and growing close enough to his heart that you hear it. You hear his heartbeat and then reach out and touch people. And I can guarantee from my own experience, but from others as well, the heartbeat of God is always for broken, wounded, bruised, hurting people. Always. Always. 
And in the world that we live in, I mean, our, our world, and it doesn't take me to say this, that our world is in, is in total shambles. It's in a total mess everywhere you turn. Everywhere you turn, there's disaster. There's, there's tragedy. There's, there's brokenness. There's all the political chaos, wars. I mean, it's, the world is in a mess. If there was ever a time the church of Jesus needed to hear the heart of God, it's now. And I, to be honest, I don't know how well we'll survive and prosper if we don't hear God's heart. And it really isn't spiritually weird to hear God's heart. It, it's, it should be the life of every believer. And I think you hear God's heart far more than you know. But it often takes that step of, okay, I really believe this is, this is the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to step out and test it. You know, the verse that says, my sheep know my voice. Notice it didn't say lambs. Lambs learn the voice of the shepherd by following the sheep. And so it starts with, you know, you, you, it, it's trial and error. It's growing. It's maturing in, in hearing God's heart. But I really want to challenge with all the things that I feel about this place. Learn to hear the heart of God. Learn to hear the voice of God. Um, one more little story, and some speakers just take far too long. Uh, that was not prophetic. Um, maybe more pathetic than prophetic. Uh, a story that's an old story. I, I'm not, I don't even know where it came from, but it's a story of a Native American in New York City at Times Square with a friend of his, and they were walking in Times Square, and Times Square is is like, you know, it's like the heart of London, and all the noise, all the, I mean, just you can't, I've been there enough times that you can't hear yourself think. And as they're walking along, and this crowd, and all the noise, the horns of cars, all the stuff going on, this this Native American man stops and says, I hear a cricket. And the guy that's with him said, there's no way in the world you heard a cricket. There's no crickets even near this place. I mean, it's concrete. There is no crickets here. And besides that, how would you hear it? And he goes on a little further and stops again. And he says, I hear a cricket. And he said, he said to him, you're crazy. There, there is no, you know, something's going wrong with your ears. There could not be crickets here. And if, again, if there were, you couldn't hear them with all the noise. And the man walks over, the Native American man walks over into a planter that's over here, and he pushes bushes and looks and reaches down and picks up the cricket. And the, the point of the story is, and he went on to say this, I grew up in a, a, Native, Amer- a Native American reservation. I've heard crickets all my life. I learned the sound of the cricket. So I can, I can detect a cricket anywhere because I, I learned the sound of a cricket. We need to learn the sound of God's heart, of God's voice. And that really is, that really is work. I mean, it's not just, you know, you've gotta, you've gotta listen. You've got to learn. You've got to tune your heart to the voice of God and I don't remember if I got the rest of the story quite right, but oh, I think I think I do. Uh, the man that was telling the story went on to say, he said, "I he said I've learned through things like that that people hear what their ears are attuned to," and they said, "Well, but yeah, in that kind of setting, you know, how would you hear?" And he said, "Let me show you something," and he just kind of walks over and drops a coin, and he said, ten people around looking." Because their ears were attuned to the sound of money. Their ears were attuned to the sound of a coin. So what I'm saying is let's get our ears tuned, attuned to the heart of spirit, to the voice of God, and to listen to what he says and to be willing to take the steps. 
How prophetic is it to reach out and love someone who's maybe just kind of unlovely with the love of God? I, that's the key to the future. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that's the key to the future of the church is, is the love of God flowing through his people and, and the supernatural touch of the Holy Spirit. That it's, it's not just argue the theology. It's the supernatural touch of the Spirit f- flowing through people who have, are in the process of learning to love like Jesus loves. And I think that's the key to the future of the church in Bassett Street. I don't think you're here by accident or mistake. And I think God's vision for this place is much bigger than you think. And in saying that, I'm not, you know, I'm not predicting 25 services next week. Nobody laughed at that. And, uh, that's not what I mean, but a bigger effect, more influence in touching people's lives, doing what God's called us to do, being the church in 2023. And the church in 2023 doesn't look quite like the church in 2000 did or in 1950 did. And, but so it's, it's crucial that we learn to hear the voice of God. Listen for his voice, you know, and, and trial and error. Step out and you might discover that, oh, that was really a mistake. It's okay to make mistakes. Or I think you'll find a lot of time you'll discover, oh, that was a God thing. It wasn't just one of my thoughts. It was a God thing. And I, I just, I can't think of anything that's more needed in the world that we live in than people who have tuned their ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit and are willing to take the steps of obedience. Now, this isn't the direction I was thinking this evening at all, and I've, it's been a long time, and you've been amazing, and there's only about 30 of you that went to sleep, and, uh, and he, is this okay? Did it, was this meaningful? Good. You know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I believe in this church. I really do. I believe there's a uniqueness about it. That I think that is, we've not really totally understood yet. There's more to come. There's more to come. And I'm convinced that a key part of that is what we've talked about tonight. People, not just some leaders, you know, it's not like let's the leaders tell everybody what to do. It's God wants to speak to our hearts together. And, uh, well, we're better together. Pray with me for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I, this isn't quite the direction that I thought this evening would go, but I really do at least the key message of that the church in Bassett Street is a prophetic church, and that means that we hear the heart of God and respond to it. And we respond in words, but also in actions. We do. And Lord, I just ask that, that you will, that you will teach us how to hear you. And, and Lord, let us get a hold of the fact that we can hear you. And, and cultivate that and, and develop it. And Lord, I know in my life that it's all been about developing and learning and making mistakes, but learning and growing in it. And, and I'm so grateful, Lord, so grateful. So Lord, I just ask that, that you will do that in our lives as individually and collectively as a church body, that we will, that we will be the people that Jesus talks to. That that would be, that would be the reputation. Hey, there, those people talk to Jesus over there. And that would be the reputation. And that we hear your voice and respond in obedience to your voice. Thank you, Lord. Just keep your heads bowed for just a second. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Take just a minute before we go, and what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe it's through things that that I said tonight. Maybe it's just something that he whispered to your heart. But what's he, don't, don't just push it away like it's not important. What, what's he saying? What's he saying to you? Just take a minute and let him speak to you. And God has put his spirit in us so that he can communicate with us. That's one of the reasons. It's the Holy Spirit in us that speaks the life of Jesus through us. And Lord, teach us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, to be so sensitive, to let our ears hear his voice, to to be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit in a world full of noise and chaos and respond in obedience. Do it in each one of us, Lord, in our private lives, our personal lives, our family, but also in the life of the church and in the life of our community and the life of our city and nation. We need to hear your voice, Jesus. And I believe that you're speaking loud and clear that we've got to learn how to hear it more clearly and respond in obedience. Do it, I pray, Lord. Do it, I pray. We want your heart. We want your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a minute, just before we finish, turn to someone and just maybe take a minute and share what you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Just, and again, don't worry about how, how developed it is or anything like that. What do you, what have you sensed the Holy Spirit? saying to you in these last minutes. Turn to someone, and then I'll let you go home and have dinner.